welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offered everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetal Ajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute, where I guide people to get unstuck and learn to live radiantly again. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Kalila Green Siciliano to the Essential Self-Care Podcast. Kalila is a speaker who helps people create the best version of themselves by empowering them to use their personal challenges to shape their inner strength warrior. Kalila and I connected through LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and one thing that really struck me was the phrase in her LinkedIn headline, which says, be bold enough to care for yourself. And I really love that because it really is a bold and courageous act to care for yourself. And yet, as is the premise of this show, this self-care is absolutely essential. So I hopped on a call with Kalila a few weeks ago to connect further, and I was really struck by her story and journey. And I wanted to bring her on to the Essential Self-Care Podcast because I think her journey through pregnancy loss and fertility will resonate with many women and families, and in many ways is the situation around which many people suffer in silence about. And so I'm really excited to open up this conversation with Kalila. And through this conversation, I hope that you may feel a little less alone and gather some really practical tools and insights to process and move forward in a positive and uplifting way wherever you are on your journey. So welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Kalila. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. And thank you for your openness and willingness to share a bit of your journey, as well as some of the self-care tools and insights that you gained along the way through your challenges. So Kalila, can you share with us a little bit about your journey that led you to the realization that your self-care was no longer an option, but an absolute priority? What did that look like for you? So my journey is a little bit different because I am a mom to three who I absolutely adore. Uh, my oldest is 12. Then I have an almost 10 year old and a seven year old. And after my youngest was born, my husband and I both came to the conclusion that because I had such an easy time being pregnant, that I could become a surrogate. And we looked into it and it was something that I was still young enough to do. And I was really honored because I called being pregnant, my superpower. The first surrogacy journey went with no bumps. It was, it was literally exactly like my other pregnancies. My labor was actually the best out of all four of the labors I had had at that point. It was the shortest. I used a doula and literally while I was in labor, I said to the parents, I can't wait to do this again. And then COVID happened. So everything got sort of thrown up in the air. We ended up moving cross country. We had a lot of changes in our lives as everybody I'm sure did with COVID. And finally, in January of last year, 
I was given the green light that I could be a surrogate again for the same family. So in May of 2022, I went over to California, which is where I had the first transfer. That's where the agency is. And I um, went through my second transfer and everything was looking fantastic. I came back home. I was going for my weekly doctor's appointments. And at 16 weeks and five days, I went in for a normal checkup and there was no heartbeat. And it was like a ton of bricks was dropped on my lap because I had never had anything like this ever in pregnancy. This was my fifth pregnancy. There was no reason why it shouldn't have gone exactly the way that my other four had gone. And there still is no explanation that the doctors can give as to what happened. I had to then be taken to the hospital. My husband dropped me off and then took my kids back home because since it wasn't our baby, we sort of had to come to this conclusion of, okay, is it better for him to be with our kids or is it better for him to be in the hospital? And he really felt, and I really felt like his support was most needed at home and I could be in the hospital. I had no idea how long I was going to be there for, but they put me into labor and delivery. I delivered the baby the next day. And then I had to go in for emergency surgery because the placenta was not detaching and I had to have an official DNC. And so I was then kept in the hospital for another day and then finally came home. When I got home, that's when it it really struck me that I wasn't pregnant anymore. And I didn't know how to deal with that, especially because there was no baby. And I started doing every bit of research I possibly could. I sat in my bed, I feel like, for days at a time where I would just sob every time I would look at something from Pinterest about pregnancy loss, or my kids would ask me how I was feeling, or my youngest who didn't quite understand the situation, he had just turned six at the time, would ask me, is is the baby still in there? And I would have to explain to him again, no, you know, do you remember I was in the hospital and the baby's not here anymore? And my oldest who felt like she had just turned 11 and she's really a little mom that she wanted to be able to take care of me. And I was still trying to take care of them and still trying to take care of my husband and was really not sure how to then take care of myself. With all of that, I started with this research in Pinterest and I started coloring, I started drawing, I started this whole creative side of me that I always knew was there. I'd always been very creative and I like to do a lot of things as a do-it-yourself project, but nothing, I never considered myself an artist. And I created these stickers that my family was like, I didn't even know you could do this. I said, to be honest, neither did I. And with all of that, I said, there needs to be something that people can take their, maybe they don't have this creative side to them, but need to be able to express their emotions. And I looked into all these different ways that people could then express emotions because it's so important to really process what you're feeling. If you keep it bottled up, it's just going to cause more pain and it's it could actually cause physical pain. And with releasing all of these emotions and with the ways that I had found online, I put together a workbook because I felt like there was nothing else like this out there. And if I could then say, okay, first of all, the life of this baby had meaning because now I'm helping other people. But this workbook was so important to me because I felt like it was almost the new baby, right? It was one of those where if I couldn't have him and give him to the parents, I could at least have this workbook and say, I put my heart and soul into this and I really processed all my emotions and I want to be able to show other people that they can also do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many, just so many layers to your story and to this journey that you've been on over the past really couple of years, Mm -hmm. year and a half to two years here. And so there's 
so many layers, I would imagine also to just simply process and work through as well. And a couple of things that struck me, one is you allowed yourself that space to just sob, Mm -hmm. to just release it, right. To like feel what you needed to feel and release it, like allow your body to release it through your tears and through crying. And that is very healing in itself. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that struck me is that you turned towards creativity, right? So kind of what struck me with that is that you were in this process of creation, right? With the baby in your womb on a very physical level, this physical, mental, emotional, spiritual level, right? All all of the levels in this process of, of creation. And when you experienced this very heartbreaking and devastating loss through the process of grieving, you one of the modalities that you turned to was a modality that involved creating mm-hmm. and harnessing that creativity, which from the yoga perspective is all related to that second chakra, the second chakra, which is all around create creation, creativity, right? On the physical body, that second chakra resides within the pelvic region, the region where our reproductive organs are, right? So within the yoga tradition, that energy center, so a chakra for anyone who's listening who may not be familiar, chakra simply is an energy center, right? And so that energy center revolves around creation for obvious reasons, right? That is where our, you know, on the physical plane, that is where our reproductive organs rest. That also is involved though with any aspect of creation and creativity, whether that is creation and creativity with you building a business or creating artwork or drawing or painting as you turn to, right? And so perhaps without even realizing it on on kind of that conscious level, your subconscious really drew yourself to these aspects to still kind of work and play within that energy center for your healing. So those are just a few things that that really struck me. And then also that a lot of times through our most challenging situations, we can often be led to things, experiences, meeting people, et cetera, that maybe we never would have before. So it really struck me when you said that your family saw these stickers that you made, saw this workbook that you made and said, you know, we didn't know that you could do this. And, you know, you may not have either, right? But it's the situation that led you to this. And now there is this beautiful, wonderful workbook that exists. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. The workbook itself really like you said, came from that creation. And it's one of those where inside of it, I included various different techniques to work through and process emotions, but not just to process the emotion in the moment, but to look back and be able to say, okay, what days did I have really good days? And what days did I have really bad days? And how many were really bad? And how many were really good? Because looking backwards at your progress sometimes is also equally important as to looking forward. One of the biggest issues I had at the very beginning was I was driving myself crazy with the what ifs. And I kept thinking, what if I did do this? What if I didn't do that? What if I ate this? What if I didn't eat that? What if I took my prenatals at the wrong time? What if I did this at the wrong time? And everything was making me go 
absolutely insane. And so I really started to say, okay, instead of looking at the what ifs, I can't change what happened. I can only look at the what nows and say, what now can I do to help myself heal and to still keep and honor this baby? And so by looking backwards, I could then say, okay, I did all of these things and there's nothing I can do about doing all of those things, but what is it going to be that I either change or continue to do that I can then move forward? And one of my favorite things to do that with is uh, my best friend's daughter actually introduced this activity to me years ago, where you have basically a grid of a calendar, all 52 weeks, all 365 days or 366 if it's a leap year. And for each emotion, you assign a different color. So anger, for example, could be red. Happiness could be purple. Contentment could be blue. List out different emotions that you feel and get a pack of colored pencils and mark each day what was the overall emotion that you felt that day. And you'll see this beautiful pattern start to develop as the year continues on, whether you started on January 1st or you started whenever, it doesn't matter, but you'll see this gorgeous tapestry of colors and you can look back at that day and say, oh, why was I feeling that way? Or was I feeling, I could split it in half and say, was I feeling anger when I first woke up and I felt calmer at the end of the day or vice versa? And it's it's such a beautiful exercise to be able to then look and say, okay, how many days did I have that were really good? And how many days did I have that were really bad? Because it doesn't then sort of mesh all into one. When you look at a tragedy and you look at trauma, the weeks and the days sort of just flow together and you don't know one day from the next. And you can look back and say, okay, on this date, I was feeling this emotion, but then the next day I woke up in a different mood. I love that so much. So that is new to me and I'm going to try that because I just think that is such a neat and beautiful practice. So I, I, yeah, completely new to me. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to print out a calendar and I'm going to choose some colors for different emotions just to see just to see. So I'm going to, I'm committing in this moment to do that for the next month. And in addition to what you shared about just how useful that can be in different ways. One thing that also struck me was that after a period of time, whether it's a month or a quarter, so three months or half a year, a year, however long someone just, you know, decides to do this and whenever they start to be able to look back and to also have this just bigger picture version, this bigger perspective of looking at this calendar and just this like tapestry of colors. And to me, something that it brings to mind is just acknowledging and recognizing the beauty of life. Like we need all these different emotions. They all serve a purpose. And when you maybe step back and kind of zone out your perspective and then look at it, you can see I mean, I'm just imagining and visualizing it in my own mind, just this beautiful tapestry that all of these parts, all of these emotions, all of these experiences really do make up the tapestry of life and really seeing it as a piece of art, as a work of art, right? I'm really excited about it. I just think it's a really neat practice and I'm excited to do it and try it myself as well. I also really loved this shift that you described of what if to what now. You know, I think it's very normal and very common that when we experience a loss, when we experience a major change, a major challenge transition in our life to just question all the what ifs to think back and be like, well, 
if I had just done this different, maybe this would have been different, right? And and honestly, that is part of the grieving process as well, right? So the five stages of grieving, as outlined by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, one of those stages is, is bargaining, right? Asking ourselves, well, what if? Maybe if I did this different, things would have turned out differently. And so it's a very natural part of the process. But at some point, I think many of us realize that that is not serving us anymore, right? That it's just making us feel bad, feel hard on ourselves. And so beginning to shift from that place to a place of self-compassion, right? Which can be so much easier said than done, right? And that's why and where some of these practical tools of like, okay, we talk about shifting into self-compassion, but how do you do that? And I see this as a way of doing that, of thinking about like, well, how can I shift from what if to what now, right? Like, okay, this happened. There's nothing I can do to change about that, right? So there's definitely some element of accept, finding acceptance in there. And when you find acceptance, it's not it's not saying you're happy about it, right? It's not necessarily saying that you no longer feel sad about it. It's just accepting that this is the reality and there's nothing that can be changed about it. This is what happened. So what now? How am I going to choose to move forward from here? What can I do now? And maybe even especially, because I think especially when you are in the midst of it, it can be hard to think about what now 10 years from now. And that's not the question you're asking. You're asking what now? What now in this moment? What now in the next hour? What now today can I do? right? Maybe it's I print off a calendar and I get some colored pencils and I start from there, right? What now in this moment? Maybe it is that I take five deep breaths and I just close my eyes and take five deep breaths and just take a moment to connect, right? What in what now? So I really love that. And I think, you know, you've shared just so many great tips and tools as well as just personal aspects of your journey. And so I'd love to know if there's any other parting tips, nuggets, advice that you would give to our listeners here. I do. And I just wanted to touch really quickly on one other thing you said about the stages of grief, because when I was working with my therapist at the beginning, he really made it a point to say that it's don't look at it in stages, look at it as phases because Stages makes it seem like, oh, I just got done with that stage, so I shouldn't go back to that. And grief is messy. Something that we know about trying to heal and trying to resolve a challenge or or an issue that you've gone through is that you will go back and forth. It's sometimes two steps forward and 10 steps back. Sometimes it's 10 steps forward and one step back. But but the stages all mesh together. And this is why I feel like it's so important to really, like, like you said in my LinkedIn phrase, be bold enough to care for yourself. Because if you can do that, then that stage that you're going through might be shorter. The anger might subside a little bit quicker. Maybe it'll come back in a few days and it might hit you in a different way. And you'll find a trigger that somehow you'll say, okay, I know that for the next time, that's not going to trigger me as much. But when you can look and you can say, I know that I'm going through something messy. I know that I'm going through something that's challenging, but I'm going to come out the other side, a better person. It's really hard to say. And it's, or I guess it's really easy to say and really hard to do, but you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you completely. You know, grieving and healing, it's not linear. As much as we would love it to look like this, this beautiful, <laughs> perfect linear graph, it's it's just not. And I can think about when I have gone through various challenges within my own life, 
I remember sometimes thinking that, like, I thought I already experienced this phase. Why is it coming back? And it's because healing and grieving is not linear. It's just a constantly, it's a very fluid process. And it can often look like two steps forward, one step back, but remembering that you're always still moving forward, even within that process. So wonderful. Thank you so much for being on this show today with us, Kalila, for sharing your journey, for sharing your tools and insights that have helped you along the way that I know are going to help so many others as well. Thank you for being you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. If anyone wants to learn more about you, the work that you're doing, your workbook, where can they find you? You can find me on my website, which is www.kalilagreenspeaker.com. My name is spelled K-E-L-I-L-A, green, spelled just like the color, G-R-E-E-N, speaker.com. And that has not only my pregnancy loss workbook, but I actually just came out with a new workbook that is for anybody called Activate Your Inner Strength Warrior. And if you wanted to get one of those calendars, there's already one in there. You don't even need to print it out. So you can go to the website and pick up the workbook and the calendar is there for you ready to be filled out. Oh, perfect. What a wonderful resource. So I'm going to include all of those links in the show notes below. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review, and share this episode with someone you know. And remember, your free guide, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life, is waiting for you at radiantlivinginstitute.com. Download it today.